Welcome back in this episode of Board Game Impact. I'm back and going to talk about all sorts of games, some gaming experiences, what's been going on, and I'm just so thankful to be back and be talking with you about all these cool board game related things. So stay tuned for this episode of Board Game Impact. Well, I cannot share how excited I am. Well, I guess I can because I just did how excited I am to be back here recording. Uh, my name, of course, is Bruce Brown, and I'm the primary host of Board Game Impact. Usually I'm joined by Josh. He will be returning in a couple episodes. Uh, it's just the summertime and schedules can be weird. And I didn't know when this episode was going to get to go out. And so we are here it's just me today. And so with that, I'm going to be talking about what's been going on, what's, what are some of the cool gaming things that have been going on. And so what I'm going to do is I made a list of just 18 of the gaming experiences, games that I've been playing lately. And I thought it might be fun to every about five or so interject kind of what's been going on with other life and board game things. So that way we can talk about that. And then I'm also going to talk about 10 games that I've backed and pre-ordered that you can also look forward to hearing about. None of these episodes are going to be a deep dive in themselves. I don't plan to, at least at this moment. I usually do these recordings in one go because, hey, we're just having a conversation, you and I. And I just want to pause and just say thank you for your understanding and staying subscribed and all the things. Um, it's going to make a lot of sense. You know, I've been going through a bunch of stuff with my PhD thing. Spoiler alert. That's kind of what's been going on. Um, but I have very, very good news to share about that. Um, not done yet, but it's very good news to share. Um, very, very good news to share. And uh, that's going to be fun. So I'm going to talk about 18 games that I've been playing and have played through recently. And then I'm also going to talk about backed and pre-order things for each of those 18 games and these pre-orders. So we're talking 28 different things. Woo, it's going to be a fun one. But hey, we come back with a vengeance. With each of these, I'm going to share just a little bit about the game or the gaming experience. So that way I can share about like, why I played it or what in what it came from it, the impact it had on me. And each of these games probably will come up at different times for later episodes for a future deeper dive conversation. And so definitely want to stay tuned and hit that subscribe button if you haven't already to hear about those when they come out. And you can't tell, I'm just really excited to be here and be back. Um, and I'm just so thankful to be doing this and to be talking with you. And so thank you for also understanding that extra excitement in my voice today. Um, and probably the tone of my voice is a little faster than normal. So thank you for that. So why don't we start with a bang? These are in no particular order, I honestly just made a list of 18 and then 10. It's 18 because those are the ones I had pictures of in my phone that I can go back and find them all e real easy. And so I've played a lot more than this. Don't worry. But let's talk about the first one on the list, which is Clash of Cultures Monumental Edition by WizKids. So this game is epic. I love Civilization by Sid Meier. Um, I've played the original Civilization, Civ 3, Civ 5, and Civ 6. I just spent a whole bunch of hours playing Civ 5 again. This game is that video game in a board game. And so I've been playing this two-player with my wife. We've played it about five times in, in like a month, which has been so much fun. And there's so many different strategies to explore. This one's really cool because, A, they redid all the sculpts. Um, they 
boosted up the art and they also included all the expansion content. And so now I've got all these really cool, like extra monuments um, that they added as well. Cause you actually have like not just a little standy, but actual resin, I don't think it's resin, just plastic monuments that are golden. They're awesome. But I also have all the leaders, which is phenomenal. And so like we have leaders born in our different places. So some games have been more war heavy. Some games have been more exploration heavy. Some games have been more just resources and peace treaties um, and trying to influence culture. It's been awesome. If you like, oh my gosh, if you like Civilization, you have to check this game out. It's huge. It's a big box. It's a big investment, like Star Wars Rebellion size box. Um, but it's epic. So that, that uh, no better way to start this off than go big with literally building a civilization, y'all. Okay, this next one's a little bit different. Um, it's game, board game adjacent, um, but straight here for us. It's wonderful because you know that I also like role-playing games. And this actually harkens back to my childhood a little bit, but adult version. Um, and that is Destiny Quest, specifically book one, Legion of Shadow. And this is by Michael Ward. I have owned the first four books. I say first four because he's going to be kickstarting book five um, here in the next couple months. Um, each of these is a standalone with the exception of book four, which your character keeps going through. And standalone, I mean, this is actually a choose your own adventure book. Now, if you were to take the width of my hand, like vertically, each of these books is the width of my hand almost. These are huge. This first book alone has over 900 passages of turn to whatever page after you by making the choice either go left, go right type of thing. Or do you want to fight the monster or do you want to run away? Turn to these two different pages. Um, this game is epic. You start off with a character. It throws you right in. The writing is phenomenal. I'm just going to say this. Um, I've personally gotten to correspond with the author, Michael, and he beats himself up over this first book. He's like, ah, it's my worst work. Y'all, it's incredible. Um, we can't wait to go further. But just real quick, you have a character. You have spots on your body, like left hand, right hand, chest, head, legs, rings, spaces, like for your fingers. And you will gain equipment, make choices about which equipment you want to keep and keep moving. And then you just explore this world. Um, there's maps and you can turn to the different pages. Y'all, this is one of the most immersive gaming experiences I've ever had with playing two player with my wife. So I play kind of like a dungeon master, um, like DM and she, but reading the passages and then she'll make the choices of her interactions. Y'all, it is so much fun. Um, and it was only like 20 bucks. So it's destiny quest. Um, and you're going to be hearing a lot more about that moving forward. And, um, yeah, I even made a video about it, which I'll tell you about here in a minute. Uh, I also played Marrakesh um, by Gigmatic. So this is a game, it's a little bit older, um, but there's a reprint that just came out. And this is a game where you are uh, laying down different pieces of carpet to make area control. And then you roll a die and then the little merchant will go around and walk around. And if he lands on your opponent's uh, carpet, you could count up how many spots it is and you have to pay them that much money. And you win by either taking control of the entire board or... Uh, once those rugs run out or by going bankrupt. That's how you lose. Um, that is how I lost when I was playing this at BDG, which I'll talk about here in a minute. 
Also got to play Camel Up, or as some people like to call it, Camel Cup. This is game number four. This is a fun little run around the track racing game, uh, which has a really cool mechanic of having two camels that are going the opposite direction. But one of the coolest things about it is when the camels, it's the reason it's called Camel Up, um, is because the camels can stack on top of each other and carry. So if you roll the, let's say the green ones on the bottom and the blue ones on top, and then you're going to move the green one. The green one will carry the, the blue one, which is cool. And so you're trying to make bets, but not really knowing how they're going to move, but kind of inferring how they're going to move. So this is a really, really fun game to play, I'd say, at the higher player count. Uh, but I was glad to finally get it to the table. Uh, then the next game, before I talk a little bit about um, what's been going on, and this one's going to be Last Message by Yellow. So this is a game, and I learned it, played it, with ran three random people at a convention in all of about 30 minutes. So I learned it, played it with them, and had a blast and got to know them pretty well in all those 30 minutes. So this is a game where it's uh, it's kind of cool. It's one of the, like a deduction game, deduction drawing, um, but there's no cards. What it is is there's one person who's like the criminal and one person who's the investigator and then two people who are the detectives. Um, I might not be correct on those titles, but we'll just go with it. Um, so the criminal and the detectives each have a map in front of them with a ton of in-color different characters doing a scene, almost like a Where's Waldo, but it's like Western, or there's one who's there's superheroes, there's one that's like aliens, there's one that's like barbarians in like caveman times. And so with that, the the uh, criminal is going to put a little marker down to select on their screen which thing they're wanting to uh, which thing they are, and then the um, the interpreter kind of role will has a stack of four cards, and what's cool about it, it's a it's a grid. And so they have a, it's a dry erase board and on that card, they're going to draw and they have 30 seconds to try and draw something to relay to the detectives. Cause it's the clue they're going to give of who on the board this thing is. It's only 30 seconds. So you can't draw that much, but here's the catch each round. The criminal gets to, uh, have alibis essentially and gets to erase a certain number of boxes. So let's say in the first round, they get to erase four or five. Um, that next round, then they would get to erase one less than that. The round after that one less than that. And so you're trying to hone them in um, as the kind of interpreter, the detectives, because if they figure out who that person is, which is difficult, then they all win as well as the interpreter. And then the, um, criminal wins if they blast all the different rounds. And of course, there's some rules about what can be drawn. Um, you can't draw the same thing multiple times, that kind of stuff. So it gets to be a really fun challenge. And since it's only like five rounds and each you only get 30 seconds to draw, this game goes really quick, but there's a ton of replayability here. So it was a lot of fun. So that was Last Message by Yellow. And that's a game we're actually now including um, for this latest batch of game kits that we're sending out to schools across the US for the nonprofit that Josh and I work with called Tabletop Alliance. Um, so what's been going on? So for those who, of you who don't know, 
essentially the entire time of this podcast going on, I started out, well, I started this podcast just before this fact, but started out a PhD program. So I'm in a PhD for human resource development. So that's essentially organization consulting. So think career development, training and development, leadership development, all these fun things. How do organizations work with people? How do we structure ourselves? How do we communicate? How do we navigate change? Um, Think of all those different things, wellness, anything that encounters in a business, whether it be a small business of one is a sole proprietorship or a very large business, depending on depending sector. So I've done work in oil and gas, I've done work with nonprofits, I've done work um, in some different small businesses as well, and some different other like tourism based things. So it's been a lot of fun. So and but here's the thing, as you go on in a PhD program, kind of ramps up towards the end. And that's exactly what has been happening because how the process works is you have your coursework and then you have what's called prelims and prelims are essentially your final exam. And that was a month long process. Literally had to take off a month of work uh, because I got my, you get your questions from your committee members of doctors and each of them gets to ask you a quote unquote, a question. Now each of those questions took me more than 20 pages to respond to. Um, so it's a lot and all of that is cited and all the things. So I read a bunch of books in that month to like refresh, um, and bring in new content cause I wanted to go back to the original works. Um, and at the end of that, I turned in a hundred page document and a month, a week later, I then had to defend that document. Um, and then I was deemed worthy to continue forward, um, as a, a doctoral candidate. Um, I am thankful to say that I passed that unanimously. I have a wonderful committee. They asked me really great, tough questions, but I feel better as a scholar and practitioner for it. And then from there, I'm done with glasses. And uh, so what happens next, though, is you're not done because you have the dissertation ahead of you. And so in order to do the dissertation, which is your main research, there's two parts. Well, three. The three parts are one, figure out what you're going to do, and then you have to schedule a proposal. And so that proposal is where you go over, what do you want to do? Here's all the literature about that thing as it exists now or adjacent to it. And then how do you want to study the phenomenon? And so that was another 113-page document that I turned in and then presented and was deemed worthy to continue. It was a unanimous vote. My committee has been wonderful and constructive in this process. And then from there, I am where I am now. And that is, I'm just getting to do the research. So I'm working with a partner organization and I'm actually studying virtual volunteerism in the nonprofit sector. Um, So that way, because that way more nonprofits through my work can be set up for success in utilizing um, virtual volunteers. Um, So there's some really cool programs that have been going on for about 12 years and I'm getting to partner with those organizations and I'm making a model uh, from the volunteer perspective of what makes these things go right when they go right? What factors do we need to consider? All these different things. So I'm very excited about this. I also have to share that with this, um, I just got a doctoral fellowship from the Association for Research on Nonprofits and Voluntary Actions. I'm very thankful and excited for that. Um, So because it's the only time this could ever happen. And so I and now officially forever um, can say that I was a doctoral fellow, um, which is a really wonderful thing. And so it has been a grind, as you can imagine. So that was over 200 pages of content for those two things. 
So this past year has been a lot of prep and taking that time and honoring this process because it's the only time in my life where this is going to happen. And I thank you so much for understanding that. Um, and I'm really excited for what it can mean in helping a lot of organizations moving forward. Now, just to be clear, I don't only work with nonprofits, like I mentioned, it's just I am choosing to apply this research at this moment to the nonprofit sector to try and do as much good with this dissertation as I possibly can. Because as you know, I always end every episode with go make your positive impact on the world. And that is true to who I am and true to what we're trying to do here. And so I just want, I thought you'd like to know that. I'm very excited for this process ahead. I'm going to be, I should be starting um, my, some of my interviews in the coming weeks uh, once I hear back from IRB, which is the review process. And I'm currently scheduled to defend that research. So have it all wrapped up and present my findings in February of 2023, um, which is in order to then um, walk in May. Uh, but once you meet and they approve you in February, you are then a doctor. Um, so it's been really exciting. And there's a lot of exciting things to come with it as well. Let's jump back into the list. Um, so Libertalia, um, that's the reprint by Stonemeyer Games. Honestly, like this reprint a lot more than the original. Um, I just think the art and things speak to me more. Um, that said, there was some things um, in terms of the island or crew board. Uh, those are switched in the original um, or switched in the new one, depending on your perspective on that. And so there was a little bit of a mind switch that I had to occur in, in kind of viewing this. But man, I really enjoyed playing this in person. Um, and I liked it a whole lot more in person than on board Game Arena. Um, there's a greater interplay there. Um, the next one was Watergate. So I played this two-player two with Cap like Capstone Gains games. Um, this is just always cool. I love the fact that it's kind of walking through a period of history that I personally wasn't around for. And it really conveys that feeling of that tug and tug and pull uh, tug of war between the two really enjoyed it picked myself up a copy um and even got the geek up bit set from bgg so that was exciting uh the next one number eight is cryptid by osprey so i played this one because it was actually nominated for the spiel des Jahres this past year um spoiler it did not win um but with that I actually had never played it. And so this is a deduction game where there's a map in front of you and each player gets a rule. Now I'm going to stress that a rule about placement. And then they try and either find the cryptids like the Bigfoot um, or they try and collect information um, about where things are. And this is through the placing of different types of little tokens, um, cubes and, and, and discs. And so with that though, we made the poor choice of trying to learn this. Uh, we were with Conrad, which was always fun. It was Conrad, my wife, and two other gentlemen. And But it was like 10 o'clock at night, and it's a deduction game, and Conrad has his PhD in mathematics. And so we were wiped, and we all... We misread the rules uh, and played it wrong. And John, if you're listening to this... Um, yeah, I know you there. You were there and just laughed at us. We, des we deserved it. We laughed at us because that thing of only having one rule about placement. No, we accidentally, cause there's a little card per scenario. We each took each of them. So we each had like three rules of placement, which honestly counterdict each other. Cause it's not supposed to work like that. So just, I just recommend don't try playing this at 10 o'clock at night. Besides that, if you like deduction games, I could in your groups, like groups, like deduction games, I could see this being 
phenomenal at four players. The next one, number nine, Dune Imperium plus the Rise of X expansion by Direwolf. So I've played this both at game days um, here for the local meetup and at BGG where I was teaching it a couple times. I, it's a knife fight in a phone booth. Um, the more I play this game, the more cutthroat and the more it comes to life. Um, the Rise of X expansion adds some cool things with an extra board element um, that replaces some of the other board spaces uh, that gives you now like dreadnoughts and different technology that's like ongoing abilities. You got to just watch with this one that a, pl- a player is the only one kind of going with those technologies because they're going to have a significantly different experience and probably dominate in some different ways. So it just keeps you new things to be mindful of that maybe a first time player would not be the best. I would just introduce the the base game um, and then really get to know that and then add in Rise of X. I really like Rise of X. I own Rise of X, um, but I would definitely want to play it with experienced players. Number 10 is Gutenberg by Portal Games. And so I had originally played Gutenberg when it first came out. It was in the hot games room for BGG because it in the fall because it just got flown from Essen. Um, I own a copy of Gutenberg. I really enjoy it. Um, I love the fact of it's got this different uh, mechanic in which behind your private player screen, you're associating importance essentially to different tracks of things, whether it be improving your printing press, getting ink, um, appeasing patrons, or like working on your typeface. Um, and so with that, it's really cool. Um, this little reveal and figuring out what everybody's going to do. It's a very, very tight game that has a lot of replayability that I'm looking forward to experiencing more of. Okay. So that was 10. And so with that, I'm halfway through this and we're at about 20 minutes. I appreciate you very much. Um, again, this is a crash course. Let's go through all the things. Um, so BGG Spring was an experience I got to do again. Um, that was really great. Um, got to play all the Spiel des Jahres games. That's the Kinderspiel, Spiel, and then Kenner Spiel. And we'll definitely go a deep dive on all of those as well, the honorees. I got to win some some of the really cool BGG art that you see uh, that they commissioned the different artists for. So I got the series that has Dominion, King of Tokyo, Root, and Eclipse. And holy dang, these are gorgeous, y'all. Um, I'm very thankful. These each cost about $90 that I don't know that I would otherwise pay, be able to pay for. Uh, but I have them now framed um, with like a basic frame in my um, game room. And it really makes everything pop. And these things are really cool. Um, the next thing I got played in the poker tournament again, had a blast, got further than I ever have before. And it was probably some of the greatest memories from any poker tournament I've ever been in. Uh, just f- because in the spring BGG spring, um, that's where kids are also able to participate in different things. And so there was a, a group of teenagers spread out who made some very fun experiences for the different tables because they had never played poker before and they were just dominating. They were the biggest sharks at the table in the best ways. Um, being up in Dallas, I got to go to Warhammer Citadel again, which is the only location for that in the US. It's a Warhammer store and game cafe. Always a great time. And the best part of this past BGG spring was my wife actually attending with me um, 
and she actually also volunteered for Team Geek. Um, and as I didn't know she did this until the night of uh, starting the convention, um, but each member of Team Geek has a name on the back of their jersey, and she had put in the wife as her name. Um, she, Caitlin loves games. Um, she's very passionate. We met in the toy store in the Lego aisle. Like Games are part of who we are, uh, but the fact that she put the wife Oh man, it was just priceless. Um, and so with that, there was a charity sale because at the spring one, they often do a charity sale of old games from the library, um, BGG library that are that they're culling, but they raise, sell them to raise money for a local charity in the Dallas area. And so she was volunteering and helping at that. And so there was all these individuals who'd come up and they're holding different games, like debating on which games to buy. Now, these are all like super discounted games, y'all, for like 10 bucks. And so she goes, oh, you should just get that. If anybody asks when you get home, she would turn around and point to the back of her shirt and just say, just say the wife said it was okay to get this. Um, so it was just precious um, going out to dinner, going out to breakfast and stuff, different days. Um, it was a really, really great time. And then a really cool experience. I didn't know they were in Texas, but in Denton, Texas is Reaper Miniatures with the, uh, with the really cool different uh, miniatures you can buy at your local game store. And they came to BGG and did every day a paint and take. So you show up, you pick up a mini off the table and you sit down at a table and paint. Um, oh my God, this was epic. And so after I had some pre-scheduled things, I would go in there and paint for like 30 minutes and get to meet people learn some new painting techniques by sharing with one another. This was one of the most relaxing and cathartic experiences I've ever had at a convention. And I cannot wait to have them back at future conventions, hopefully, because it was amazing. Okay, let's jump back into the last 18 of this. And then I'm going to go into um, different games I've backed and pre-ordered. Because again, I'm coming back with a vengeance. Yeah. Um, and so with that, man, I don't know what I'm doing right now. I'm just having so much fun. Um, Number 11, uh, Magic Mountain by Amigo. This game won the Kinderspiel des Jahres. Um, think Plinko, where you're rolling a marble down instead of a puck. And if it hits a, a witch in this case, you get to move that witch down a candy, candy land path based on whatever color the marble was. And you just want to make sure that your witches get to the bottom before the evil witches. That's it. But it was a lot of fun to roll these marbles down and then be like, no, and it's a real time. So you roll the marble down when it hits the witch, it pauses for a second. You pick up the witch, the marble keeps rolling again. So there is a chain that you can do of let's put the witch down again in a spot so she gets hit again and then try and um, chain the reactions in a really cool way. So that was fun. That was Magic Mountain. It, it Between that and the Quacks for Kids version, those two games are amazing. Um, easily would pick those up to play with nieces and things like that. Easily. Um, the next one, number 12, is Planet Unknown by Adam's Apple Games. I had not played this game before. I didn't even hear about this game before, but this game was really cool in that you have a planet board in front of you and a tech tree. And what happens is you're laying polyominoes, so like Tetris pieces, on this planet that you have in front of you. Now, how do you get those polyominoes? There's a lazy Susan, you know, like those spinning things for dessert trays and um, different vegetable platters. So there's one that spins. There's one of those that comes with the game and think of it like slices of a pizza. On your turn, you'll turn it to the slice of pizza that you want. 
And wherever it's pointing for each additional player, because they'll have a little arrow that doesn't move that's sitting in front of them pointing to their slice of pizza, um, based on where their arrow is, there's an inner circle and an outer circle of pieces, and they have to take from the inner and outer circle within their slice of pizza. So you get some choice in that you get to make your choice of what pieces you want each time you make the choice, but then you also have to inherit, hey, this is the pieces that you get to choose from. So I like that balance because those choices then influenced a tech track um, that's going on there. So if the piece has like green on it, you go up on the green track, blue on it, and you attach it to blue and water, then guess what? You move up on the blue track. This is a really, really cool game. Um, We played with the Kickstarter version stuff. This is a game I'm definitely going to keep my eye out for the next Kickstarter because I definitely want the Kickstarter version. It's got like better pieces and you got like little rovers you can move around the board. They have those in the base one, but I kind of want the the chunky plastic ones. It was just that much more immersive an experience. And there was a ton of maps with this. Like, I don't know that I'd ever be able to play all those maps, but it was cool to have the challenge. So that was uh, Planet Unknown by Adam's Apple Games. Okay, a game that's somehow missed me every time they've played it a bajillion times in our game group is Tortuga 1667 by Facade Games. This game is one of those games that comes in one of those little books. Um, so is a player. we played this the eight-player count, and it was really cool. Um, we Actually, we played it at six players. Sorry about that. And you, you deal out cards, either being British or French, um, to each player, and you're navigating, running in between two ships and an island. And with that, you're trying to smuggle all the goods onto your ship and blow away the other people and have control of all the goods, or uh, the highest ratio of goods, and then you'll win at the end of the game once a certain card is revealed in this little deck. Really cool game. Definitely, definitely don't know how I missed this one. Um, definitely going to be playing it again and definitely going to be talking about it more. Uh, Speaking of nautical things, I got to the table. Nemo's War 2nd Edition by Victory Point Games. Now, they just came out with another edition of this. It's the same thing. It folds up slightly different, but also includes all the different expansions, which I owned most of anyway. Um, And so that's kind of what spurred, hey, I got to get that back to the table because Josh and I really enjoyed playing this at the multiple player count, but it had been a while since I'd really attempted it. And most people play it solo. I just had never done that. So I got it back to the table. And I got to say, there's this really fun moment that happened because it's a complicated game, um, but it's because there's a lot of cool stuff going on. So I wanted to make sure I did it right. And so I had the rule book out and I pulled up the heavy cardboard uh, teach and play along. And so I was watching this and heavy cardboard is run by a guy named Edward. And I'm like an hour into the teach because he really goes really into detail about things and are in the best ways. That's why I was watching. And with that, I was about to like, okay, I'm, I'm good to go. And then on the screen on my iPad, it goes, and Bruce, I'm glad you're here with us. Now go out there and, and like do well at the game. I was like, what the hell? Because I had just spent all this time watching this as videos older. And I look, I pause and I'm like, did he just talk to me? <laughs> like this is a recorded video. I go back and look at it. And apparently I watched this from over two years ago at the start of the lockdowns or pandemic because Edward started playing solo games and doing these like solo teach and playthroughs. And apparently I commented back in the day on it saying like, hey, I'm looking forward to getting my copy to the table. And I guess I had stopped watching apparently after he had like just finished doing the teach back then. 
but this time I played a little bit longer and man, this was one of the coolest and most random and like felt seen from the past kind of experiences. It was, it was trippy, but really cool. Uh, so Nemo's War second edition, I won Nemo's, I won, I beat it barely by the seat of my pants. Um, but I played over three days, um, because I played for like an hour a day cause it's a longer game. And so that was Nemo's War. Definitely going to be talking about that more with Josh because we both love it. Uh, Juicy Fruits by Capstone Games. You know those games you're playing when you were a little kid? This is number 15, by the way, um, where you're sliding numbers around on the little like grid to try and put them in an order or just slide the pictures around to make a picture. That sliding mechanic is the mechanic for this game of, oh, you slid a orange three spots you get three oranges and then you would use those oranges to then fulfill different contracts really cool game love the chunky components um love getting taught this by rachel at bgg in the fall and then playing it then with in-laws and um, local friends here it's i've been able to play it with all sorts of gamers it's been really cool um so that's juicy fruits by capstone kabuto sumo and number 16 uh, this is by BoardGameTables.com. This is literally those coin pusher games from the arcade where you drop a quarter in and hopefully it pushes stuff off the edge. Well, if you push your little pucks and it pushes some stuff off, you now get those pieces for later pushes. Uh, it's a fun little thing. It's a lot of setup, but if you have kids, I could see this being like a lot of fun to do. Um, Wasteland Express Delivery Service is number 17. And this is a game that we've had for a while. We've talked about it on the show. Pick up and deliver, but you're driving through a wasteland and upgrading your trucks, fighting off raiders or choosing to fight them to then like pillage their stuff, um, building different stuff onto your trailers. It's really cool. Going on different quests, running different scenarios. We played this at a game day again, and it went over great. I love the replayability of this, of the giant 16 piece map that each side is each piece is double sided. So the number of combinations on this thing is so much fun. Um, so that was just continued to be good after, after all these years, uh, last for this list. And then I'm going to get into games I've backed or pre-ordered Radlands by Roxley games. And in full transparency, this is the super deluxe edition. So I did the Kickstarter for this back in the day got it in. It comes with two play mats. And what's really cool about it is you're, it's a two player game in which you're trying to eliminate the three bases of your opponent while trying to protect yours. And what's cool about it though, is there's a deck of cards and similar to star realms, you both work off of that same deck. So when you have to draw cards, you draw from the same deck they do. Um, but these cards are double sided. So the back of the card has like this, 80s punk rocker on it and that's called a punk and there's times where you get to play cards face down and that's a character and when that character dies it actually goes to the top of the deck so you could have you can move the deck around in a lot of really cool ways uh, but that working off of a shared resource between you and the other player for a two-player game oh like like so great um this game I, we played it immediately three times to play best of three and I won one, they won one. And then I won the third, like barely, um, man, this game is a game. I'd love to run like a tournament of because it was epic. And if you can do the super deluxe 
I highly recommend it because those player mats made teaching the game a whole lot more engaging and intuitive um, than trying to explain it elsewise without those reference points. So the Super Deluxe really, really made things go off well. Okay, that is the crash course of all of the games. Not all, but a good number. So 18 games from recently. I'm going to go through the games I've and gaming experiences I've backed or pre-ordered that are going to be coming. I'm doing this so that way you can get excited about all the really cool things that are going to be coming up on the channel um, and all the things to stay tuned with. Speaking of which, um, lately I have started doing some Twitch and YouTube streams on the Board Game Impact pages. Um, primarily, this is to raise support for the nonprofit that Josh and I volunteer for uh, called Tabletop Alliance, which supports gaming in schools, libraries, community programs by sending out free gaming kits across the US. And since we founded the nonprofit two years ago, I'm very thankful to say that we've impacted over 5,500 uh, students across the US across 11 states. Um, this has been something that I love getting to do. Um, this has been something that I love that we are doing it, and it's been very, very rewarding. Um, there's a lot of cool stuff to come. I'm working on some data with some different partners to publish some white pages um, on gaming and the impact of different gaming programs. Um, so I encourage you to check out the nonprofit, tabletopalliance.org, um, and support if you can. Uh, but honestly, just sharing about what's going on is great too. But with that, um, on Twitch, I've actually been verified and all the things like Twitch, Streamlabs, and others, um, PayPal. And so with that, we're able to do streams to raise support for the nonprofit. And anybody who streams on any platform for Twitch using Streamlabs or otherwise can fundraise for the nonprofit. And if you're interested in doing that, I encourage you just to look it up within those platforms. Um, and please feel free to reach out to me, um, boardgameimpact.gmail.com or bruce at tabletopalliance.org. And so recently I played some Stacklands, which is a really cool card-based roguelike um, video game. Um, but hey, I was playing solo player and it was a lot of fun and there's board game related things. So it was cool. And it's for a board game, pod a board game podcast's impact on a nonprofit. Heck yeah. I've also been playing some Stardew Valley. Yes, I went down that journey. That's all I need to say there. But besides that, I've also been recording some video content and publishing that. So one of those things was publishing a video on that Destiny Quest book one. So if you want to hear more about that, I encourage you to go over and check out that video um, because the it was actually shared out by the author um, to his Kickstarter campaigns um, to raise awareness for different things and post it on the Kickstarter campaigns. So I'm very definitely thankful to Michael for posting that. And we're definitely going to be talking more about Destiny Quest books as we continue to navigate through playing these books. Um, so definitely want to check that out to get a deeper understanding. Um, so with that, let's talk about 10 games and gaming things that I've backed or pre-ordered that are also going to be coming down the line. I don't have as much to say about these because I don't have them yet. But those are Ahoy by Leader Games, uh, Asymmetric Pirates, Done by the people who made Root. Yes, please. Done. Pre-ordered. Um, Destiny Quest World Compendium. This is by Michael. Um, so the different books all take place within one world ecosystem. And so Michael has a lot of lore um, behind the scenes that was influencing his writing um, because he built out an entire world um, for campaign building. And so this is Michael like, publishing that. And so he just did 
fulfillment yesterday and at the publishers. I know because he's communicative on Facebook um, and I'm going to be receiving it soon. But with that, there's going to be the next Destiny Quest book that's going to be coming out this fall in terms of Kickstarter. So looking forward to that. One thing over the last two years that I've gotten really into is Um Actually um, by the guys who did College Humor. And so this is a, a trivia game. Um, uh, it's a YouTube channel. And so with that, it's it's essentially they read a quote and there's something geeky wrong in the quote. Um, and so this is the trivia, actual like board game trivia version of that. So definitely going to try and do some contests uh, and streams online for um actually uh, because why not? It's going to be a lot of fun. So definitely going to want to stay tuned for that. I've also pre-ordered this is at number four, the Canvas Reflections expansion, which adds some new elements to the game Canvas, which is that game where you're building art by putting three pieces of transparent cards together. And when you overlap them, you make a unique piece of art. And then you do kind of set collection in terms of points. The expansion adds in double-sided transparent cards. And so there's some cool mechanics that can now come at play and a lot more inner interplay and some other different things they've added to increase the options during your turns. But this game is great. It's one of the best intro games to gaming I think I've ever seen because every kid has taken or should hopefully take art and in school growing up. And so like to tap into that of like, we're going to make some art and see what happens and want you to talk about your art. It's great. I've backed the Sleeping Gods Distant Skies uh, by Red Raven Games as a standalone follow-up to Sleeping Gods. Sleeping Gods was great. Played through it a couple times, especially when Texas froze over. Um, it was perfect for that. And look forward to playing the next one. It's, that's all I can say. They keep hitting it out of the park. We keep buying it. And we keep talking about it because it's wonderful. Thank you, Red Raven. Um, too Many Bones, Unbreakable. And so... With this, I didn't back the Unbreakable because I have all of the original Too Many Bones stuff. I have all the characters, all that kinds of stuff. This in particular, they came out with new content for some new neoprene mats to put your already neoprene mat player board on. So you have your player board in the middle and then where you should put your piles of cards and things because, again, just like Radlands, you have... It's a more immersive experience to be able to put all of your stuff for your character in particular spots. It's just tapping into the organization part of me that I like. I mean, I'm designing and modeling organizations, so I kind of like some organization through some of my games. So it's fun when people add that. In terms of adding content, I've added a ton of content for this next one, and this is the Age of Steam Deluxe Kickstarter, which includes every map ever made and and new ones for by Eagle Griffin. So I already have Age of Steam. I have the original maps. So this is all the expansion maps beyond the original expansions plus some new ones. Y'all, it's so many maps of Age of Steam. I love the cutthroat nature of this and making meaningful choices. Um, that is why I love Age of Steam and therefore more little twists on that engine and element done, sold. Um, pricey but worth it um and all the arts by Eno tool and so i'm very thankful for that to be coming in these next two come from a different lens and that is the role-playing lens and so i've got avatar legends the role-playing game by magpie games um so this is avatar the last airbender and legend of korra um so it's all in those kind of worlds 
and time periods because you can pick which time period you want to work in. No one is the avatar. You don't get to be the avatar. You're in the world as like benders of the different factions. Um, I'm very excited about this Kickstarter to come in because I love Avatar. I mean, who doesn't? It's amazing. Um, and so I got the Kickstarter. It comes with custom dice for every player, um, custom journals for every player at the table, as well as many scenario books. It's going to be great. Um, I already know I'm going to love it. And I also know that because it's on the same system as number nine, which is Root, the role-playing game, uh, which by Magpie Games. So they use the same system for both things. And I just got Root, the role-playing game in, but they had been publishing content before that. And so I got to like see and experiment with it. In this one, you're not playing as the Marquis de Cat or the Eerie. You're playing all as vagabonds. And you can have relationships with the different factions. You can become notorious in a good way or a bad way. And with that, depending on your notoriety, it kind of gives the G game master a little bit extra play and fun space for world building to kind of play in, in a really, really cool way. Um, but you don't have to be a raccoon, by the way, you can be any kind of small animal, smaller than a deer is what they encourage. Um, very cool. Very, very interesting. What the most fascinating thing about it though, is that you actually between scenarios, like let's say you're, you and your role players play a scenario you can roll stuff as the game master and then have stuff play out on an actual map because you're in a very little part of an entire world. And for me, like as a DM, as a game master, I always think through how do I have the rest of the world continue to move forward? And this has some cool mechanics to kind of make that happen for good or for worse of the world. Um, but for opportunities for storytelling for, for you, the game master. And finally, the sky's the limit with this one, and that is Skyrise by Roxley Games. I'm a sucker for good auction games and plays on that, and Roxley's putting this out. Um, this is a game that used to, I believe it used to be called Metropolis. Um, man, they have upped the production value on this to a ridiculous degree. Um, you're all in the skies, and you're building cities in the skies, and you're different architects. Uh, but what's really cool about it is it's a progressive auction game in which let's each of you has buildings that range from, let's say, number one through number 103. Let's say I put my first building down 101, then a player going clockwise around the table puts a higher building number and that kind of chains those buildings away from my where I started. And until everybody has passed or whatever, whichever building's the higher one is the only one that gets built. And so the other ones get removed from the board. So it gets flipped over to be an actual building on the board. And then the next round of bidding works off of where that last auction just ended. Um, so what I like about this is the fact that a it's auctions and this cool bidding mechanic, but the distribution of numbers they pulled from something that's been on my Christmas list for literally maybe six years and that is go first dice so i encourage you to look up go first dice because it's a real they did the math and figured out how can we each if you're set four players playing a game or two or three sitting around and you have to determine randomly well let's all each roll a die and there's no possibility of a tie and equal distribution of opportunities to be the person who has the highest number it's an incredible, incredible mathematical formula they worked out to make this happen. And it's been now 
extrapolated to Skyrise. So this game was a hell yes for me to back. Um, and I did back it with the extra sun drop wash because the size of some of the pieces, even though I'm definitely down to wash my own games uh, for a nice little extra finish, the size of some of the pieces, I'm like, just let them do that. Um, but man, this has been 28 games of things. This has been one heck of a comeback. I am so thankful to be back. I'm so thankful you're here. I've got some more exciting news to be sharing in up, upcoming episodes because we're about to break 9,000 downloads of the podcast, which is just incredible. And I cannot say thank you enough for helping and being with us. And I hope that this has been helpful for you and your gaming group. And I look forward to diving deeper into each of these games in the upcoming weeks and months and and digging into many, many other games and gaming experiences. So thank you so much for listening to Board Game Impact. I hope that learning about what's going on for us and for me makes a positive impact in your gaming group. Uh, you could leave us a review in your podcast player that helps other people find the podcast and continue to spread the impact that we're trying to have. If you want to have an email, any questions to the show that we'll be happy to answer on the air, you can email us to boardgameimpact at gmail.com, which goes directly to myself and Josh. Um, if you want to follow us on social media, both those pages are on Instagram, Facebook as Board Game Impact. And as I mentioned on uh, Twitch and YouTube as Board Game Impact. And until next time, go make your positive impact on the world.